Father's Day, I thought we could start off with some dad jokes because there's no such thing as a mom joke. So, here we go. Did you hear the rumor about butter? No? Well, I'm not going to spread it. Thanks. Where do you learn how to make a banana split? Sunday school. Okay. Last one. What did the ocean say to the beach? You guys know this one? Yeah, it said nothing. It just waved. So, yeah, happy Father's Day. That was for all the dads in the room. Um, we're super thankful for fathers leading um, and, and the men in this room that don't have children that spiritually father the rest of our kids and pour into them. Um, yeah. So if you don't know me, my name is Coral. I am a Mesa native, which I know is a rare breed. Um, I've been a part of Missio for about six years. And I learned the last time I preached, at the end of it, I learned that you guys can be a pretty vocal group. And I wish I had known that earlier last time. So I'm going to throw this out there now in the beginning. If I'm saying something that you agree with or is really hitting home for you, guys, you can just say amen, hallelujah, whatever. I love, I love it. Um, and if that's not your style, you can just like nod and play it cool. Um, but yeah, it's a lot more fun for me to be up here if I get to hear your voices as well. I'm going to open us in prayer, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, would you use tonight to sanctify us and edify this body of believers that is your bride? Shape our affections to be more anchored in your goodness. And Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts to hear your voice and obey? Amen. So I was asked to sit with Psalm 28 for a few months and then share with all of you what the Lord was teaching me through it. And in full transparency, I was experiencing a, a bit of a dry patch. I didn't feel like I actually heard anything really specific or audible from God um, that I could share with you. And so... It was really uncomfortable and awkward, especially as tonight was coming up quick on the calendar. But I found, and I found myself stuck on the very first verse of Psalm 28, which says, To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Don't turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. And it felt really relatable because for the first couple months I sat in this passage, all I was hearing was nothing. And if I had to guess, I would say there's a pretty good chance that everyone in this room has experienced that a few times throughout life. So walking through that has shaped what I want to talk to you about tonight. That as children of God, we often want to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. The problem is that a lot of our life is lived during seasons of silence. St. John of the Cross calls it the night of the senses, where we're not able to hear God but our soul yearns for his presence. We remain rooted in faith, but unable to feel it. And so to be completely candid, I, I contemplated bailing on teaching tonight. Um, I was really caught up in, the, in, the feel, in not feeling worthy to speak good news with you tonight because I wasn't hearing the voice of God. But the Lord has taught me 
that all, when all we hear is silence, we're called to remain faithful, steadfast, and hopeful. So that's what I'm going to practice firsthand tonight, and I'm going to talk to you about it as well. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 28? For the younger disciples in the room, if you open your Bible about halfway, you're going to find the book of Psalm. And fun story, at youth group on Friday, we were memorizing a psalm. And you know at the reference, you say the reference like at the end of the verse, but I abbreviated it to P.S. And so they said the verse, and then they're like, P.S. 19.1, and we, we had a good laugh. So I don't know why psalm starts with a P, but it does. And um, yeah, while you're finding Psalm 28 in your Bibles, I just want to give us a, a little bit of a backstory of where we are in the true story of God. So we know that God created everything good, right, and beautiful. And he walked with man in the garden, and there, everything was perfect. And then Adam and Eve rebelled, right? Humanity rebelled against God, and that brought brokenness and hurt and a disjointedness between man and God and man with each other and man with the earth. And then God said, I'm gonna send a savior. He didn't leave us broken in that place, but he made a promise to the house of, through the house of Israel that he would send a savior. And that savior would be born from the line of David. And so um, through the line of David, God would reconcile all of creation to himself. The savior would be born through the family of Jesse and through David. So can you just shout out a couple of things that you know about David off the top of your head? Because he's a pretty big character. Was that a hand? Yeah, what you got? He was king. David was king. What else? He liked to dance. He was the man after God's own heart. Shepherd. Bah. Yeah. What'd you say? He wasn't a good dad, yeah. He, is that, that was what you said? Okay. He killed Goliath with a slingshot. That's pretty cool. A musician, yeah. And after, so after a, a long turn of twists and events, twists and turns in his life, um, David became king, which you talked about, and was a man after God's own heart. He loved God and sang songs and was a poet. And so the psalm that we're going to read tonight was actually written by David. Would you read with me? And then I will share a couple of the ways the Lord has shaped, shaped me and a couple of encouragements for you. Here we go. To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down into the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back on them what they deserve, because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord and what his hands have done he will tear them down and never build them up again. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people. 
a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. So the first thing I want to draw your attention to is verses 1 and 2, where David is crying out to the Lord for help. And I'm not sure what type of help David was asking for in, in this passage, but from what we know of him, he's relied on the Lord in the past to help him fight wild beasts, to defeat a giant, Goliath, um, to battle the, the wicked Philistines, and escape from jealous King Saul on multiple occasions. And so knowing David's story can help us conclude that when he prayed and cried out to the Lord for help, he must have really needed it. He was desperate for the Lord to hear him. And then there's a, there's a, a, there's a group of verses in the middle that we're going to come back to. And then I, I hit verse 6 where it says, Praise be to the Lord. He's heard my cry for mercy. And I just couldn't help but wonder how much time had passed between David's initial cry for help and for mercy and that moment of praise. Had it been days or weeks? Or maybe he got an answer to his prayer as he was writing this. Or maybe he was writing it and reflecting back on what God had, had done. So raise your hand if you've ever waited weeks for the Lord to answer a prayer. Yeah. What about months or years? Yeah. All right. By show of hands, show me if you're currently praying and waiting on the Lord for something. Love that. That's awesome. The frustrating thing about prayer is that we don't get a control when the Lord answers us or when he speaks. Sometimes it's right away. Like if you're doing solitude or silence and you sit down with the Lord and he speaks to you and it's instant. That is a favorite, right? Like we, we're, we don't like to wait for anything. It's, it's pretty American. But then on the flip side of God answering prayers right away, sometimes we wait years. And if you've ever prayed for something for years, it can leave you asking, why me? Why this? How much longer? Is God listening or watching? Some of you might remember about five years ago, our son Boyd had a seizure. He started having seizures out of the blue. We were shocked and disoriented, and we prayed in our homes for months. Um, and we actually prayed in this very room corporately for, for healing for him. And it was a long road and a lot of praying. But eventually, um, it was a hard, sorry, it was just really, it was a really, really hard season for us. And it was tempting to believe that God wasn't good or that he didn't hear our prayers because Boyd wasn't healed right away. But we chose to look at the character of God and remain faithful. And so... God eventually did heal Boyd, and we give him all the glory. But what I learned through that experience is that how we're shaped in the processes of waiting for God to answer our prayer is just as important of the prayer being answered. It's, it's just as important. And like Kevin said last week, God's timetable of, time of glory is long. Things often aren't instant. So what do we do when we're waiting or not getting a reply to the answer or getting an answer to our prayer? What do we do when a lot of time is passing, when we don't sense the nearness of God? I've experienced both of these, and I want to share with you what I've learned 
as I'm currently in the gap of waiting to hear the Lord. First, before we get to that, I want to pause for just a couple moments so that you can reflect in your mind a time or a prayer that, think of a, think of a prayer that you're currently waiting on the Lord for. Pull it to the forefront of your mind, and I just want you to remember that as we continue to walk through the rest of tonight. What are you crying out to the Lord for? All right. So the first thing that I've learned and I want to encourage you with is just to stay faithful. I want to be, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about faith that everything is going to turn out right in your eyes or faith that if you do the right thing, it's all going to work out. I'm talking about faith in God, in the completed work of Christ on the cross, that he keeps his promises, that he is who he says he is. And in these verses, we see that God is our rock. He's a fortress, a protector. He's trustworthy and a good shepherd. Let us stay faithful in holding these things true, even when it doesn't come naturally or feel easy to believe. Let's hold fast to the belief that the Bible is the word of God. It's God-breathed. It's alive. It's good. It's good for correction. It's good for learning. It's good for comfort. And that when our feelings contradict the word of God, let us submit to the authority of the word. I want to hone in on one characteristic in this passage that really impacted me, and it is the characteristic of God as a father, a good father. So when I first read verse 2, I was, I was just taken back to when my, our kids were little. And I can tell, kind of knowing the, the makeup of the people in this room, that most of us have spent a pretty good amount of time with toddlers, right? Yeah, to toddlers are wild. You tell them not to touch something, what do they do? They gotta touch it. You tell them to stand right next to you, they're gonna be anywhere else, right? And so, um, yeah. Toddlers, when they need something or they're hurting, they often reach up and cry for their caregiver and they trust that their parent is going to meet their needs and give them comfort or food or a kiss on their, on their leg if they have a boo-boo, right? So I'm gonna read verse two. It says, hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. Doesn't that sound like a, to like a toddler calling out for a parent? But guys, we're the toddlers. We're the needy toddlers. And the good news is that when we cry out to the Lord, he's not annoyed with us and our needs. He isn't frustrated by the interruption. He actually welcomes our neediness with open arms like a good father. I started to realize there's a lot of places in the Bible that talk about lifting your hands during prayer or praise. And I actually learned that in David's time, that was a really common prayer posture. Um, people would position themselves like a toddler, right? Like reaching up or a beggar who's relying on others to meet their needs for 
food or money or shelter, right? And that is how we get to approach the throne of God, which is just amazing. And he is a good father that hears us. So if you're asking yourself, like, what, but I don't, you know, I don't feel like praying, so what do I do with that? Or I don't feel like God really cares or hears my prayers. He does. He's near. He's a good father. He hasn't left you. He'll never leave you. Remain faithful. Hold fast to God's word. It's often in the moments of silence that God is shaping us the most. I really want you guys to hear this. Silence is a part of your growth. It is not God's withdrawal from you. Acts of trusting God along the way will lead to what he has for you next. And your willingness to engage in prayer is an act of faithfulness. You're showing up despite your feelings, despite not getting the outcome that you want. And you're professing that God is who he says he is, a good loving father that's reachable. And so when you're on the journey of following Jesus and it, and it seems like the Lord is silent, it can be extremely tempting to begin participating in what the world is doing or to look elsewhere for help. So my second encouragement to you, if you're in a season of silence, is to remain steadfast to the life God has called you into. So we're going to come back. Remember I said we're going to come back to that middle section of verses. Um, David has a whole lot to say about what the people in the world are doing. He's crying out to the Lord in faith and asking him to spare David from the fate of the wicked. He wants to be set apart from what the world is doing. And because of the vulnerability in God's prayer, or in David's prayer, we can conclude that David, even David, the man after God's own heart, felt that tension of participating in worldly things while waiting on the Lord to come through for him. Verse, verse 3 says, Don't drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors and harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back on them what they deserve. It's a prayer for justice. Because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never build them up again. Wow, I don't want to be on that side of things. Like when the day of judgment comes, I don't want, I don't want to be on that side of things. Um, God is a God of justice. These people deserve the full wrath of God. And they're going to spend eternity outside the presence of God. And they're going to miss out on the blessings that it is to live life today with Jesus. And when I think of evil people, my mind goes straight to a, a murderer or abuse or something really extreme. And we can see in these verses that evil in the eyes of the Lord is a lot less extreme. Evil in this passage is referring to people who are two-faced, not genuine. I, I, my mind went to gossiping. Wicked people are those who don't have regard for what the Lord has done. They aren't looking at the world around them in awe of God's majestic power as he created the earth and everything in it. They aren't looking at people as image bearers of God. They aren't having compassion on the marginalized and forgotten and engaging them in the ways that Jesus would. They falter with both their hands and their hearts. And it's not simply enough to just avoid doing evil on the outside. 
we need to let the Lord transform our hearts and minds. These verses made me examine my own heart and hands, and I hope it does the same for you. So here are a couple questions for you to ponder as you process. Are you harboring malice in your heart but acting like everything is fine on the outside? Are you tangled up in the ways of the world? Are you needing to detach so you fall more in love with the Lord? Are you using your hands for evil works or for holy works? Are you living life with regard for the Lord and what he's done? Do you look at the world around you with reverence for God's majesty? I encourage you, Missio, examine your lives and remember what the Lord has called you into. Cling tightly to the word and in a wounded world, remain steadfast to the true story. Put off everything else. While you're in a period of waiting for your prayers to be answered, here are some practices that will help you remain steadfast to the calling the Lord has placed in your life. Number one, remain in the word. In the word. Continue to enter intimacy with God even when, especially when it doesn't feel good or it doesn't feel like he's there. The Lord often speaks to us through the scriptures. Remain in community. Don't follow the ways of the world, allowing it to shape your life more than the Lord does. Remain with godly people and be edified by them. They'll point you to the, back to Jesus. And remain missional. Instead of seeking to make your life easier or more comfortable, seek the good of others. Be generous with your time, talents, and treasures. So, so far, we've journeyed with David as he cried out to the Lord, as he um, asked the Lord to have mercy on him and spare him from the fate of the wicked. And then we arrive at the moment of praise in verse 6. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and shield. My heart trusts in him. He helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress, for, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people, bless your inheritance, be their shepherd, and carry them forever. Guys, the Lord showed up for David. He's show up for you too. And that's why the third encouragement I have for you is just to remain hopeful. The day of praise is coming. We know how the story ends. God is going to restore all of it. It's the last act in the story, right? We know that God is going to reconcile us to each other and to the earth and to him. He's going to undo everything that was fractured when people rebelled. I love that in this last uh, section of the psalm, David's praise is accompanied by so many images of who God is. He's a listener. He's, the, he's strength, a shield. He's trustworthy. He's a fortress and a shepherd. And how great is it to know that that is the God we get to have a relationship with. So I, wanna, I, I want to acknowledge that whatever you've been praying for may or may not work out the way you want. But that doesn't mean the Lord didn't hear you. And that is the tension. The tension of knowing that God is more than able to answer your prayer. 
for healing or provision or justice or whatever you're crying out to the Lord about, but it might not happen this side of heaven or it might look different than what, what you prefer. Don't despise the tension in waiting. Let the tension work in you. Like the aggravation that happens in an oyster to bring forth a pearl, allow the tension of waiting on the Lord to bring forth something new and beautiful in you. We can't let the outcome of our prayers determine uh, to what degree we remain hopeful that he will do what we ask. Prayer can feel passive sometimes, like it doesn't make a difference. But I believe there's nothing more powerful than petitioning the creator of the universe on the behalf of others. I've learned <clears throat> that when I'm struggling to keep my heart and mind hopeful, the thing that helps me the most is looking back at my life and remembering how the Lord has come through for me. Um, I like to call these memories Ebenezer moments. So an Ebenezer in David's day was an altar that they would build to the Lord that would be a remembrance of what, how God showed up for, for the people in that time. And every time somebody would walk past and see it, it would point them back to what God had done, right? And so nowadays, I, sometimes you see these if you're out hiking. So a lot of hikers use these. Bear Grylls is a big fan of, of these. Um, you build them on, as you're hiking. And then when you come back, it's, it's a reminder, a marker of where you've been so that you can make it home. And so my Ebenezer moments in life... Um, are reminders and memories of those times when the Lord just blew me away. Or I can't deny that it was him that showed up for me. It wasn't anything that I did. It wasn't good luck or coincidence. It was the Lord coming through. And so I wanted to share a couple of my Ebenezer moments with you and a couple Ebenezer moments that we all collectively share in hopes that it will encourage your heart and point you to, hope, to continue to be hopeful that God, God will carry us through in the future. All right, here's a couple of my Ebenezer moments. Uh, when I was a missionary in Spain, I had a friend who wasn't a believer. And every day for a year, I prayed for her to know the Lord. And eventually, after a year, she gave her life to Jesus, and she's a missionary now herself. That's awesome. Isn't that great? Oh, man. I, it gets me fired up. Um, when I was a young mom and I had little kids, I really str struggled staying home with them. I would, I, I mean, I, I would just try to get out of the house. I'd wander Target at like 10 p.m. I know a lot of, a lot of moms do that. Um, but I asked the Lord to change my heart and to help grow my desire to be home with my children, and he has done it. I just finished my fifth year of homeschooling them, so I'm with them all the time. That is, that's, oh, that's so good. God, I mean, only God could do that, guys. Uh, we took in a foster son a few years ago, some of you guys might remember, and all of a sudden we had his two brothers hanging around the house too, which, uh, and, and lots of other kids, and we needed a bigger car, and we needed well, need. We really wanted a larger sofa so we could be hospitable to all these kids that are around. And so we prayed, and two weeks later, I hit the Goodwill jackpot of a lifetime with, like, this giant couch that could host all these kids. And eventually, we got a bigger car as well, and God answered that prayer. 
While we're living in Gilbert, we prayed for other people from Gilbert to be a part of Missio. And a couple months later, the Zins walked in, which, guys, we're glad they're, we're glad they're here. Collectively, we've prayed to be a hospitable community, and every week I watch as you open your hearts and your homes to new faces. Jesus used our gifts through Laura and answered our prayers as she has been safe in a battlefield for seven years. We've been both a small church and able to equip the global church through Soma School. We have um, equipped people in 12 countries. That's an answer to prayer. We made it through the pandemic and we're still going. Yeah. I feel like we ran a marathon, but a lot of churches dissolved at that point and we've seen God's faithfulness in answer to prayer, just the fact that we're in this room. We've seen people healed. We've seen marriages restored, hallelujah. Wow, people have been set free from addiction and this space that we're gathered in is literally at the crossroads of where we prayed for Mesa years ago when they started praying for downtown Mesa. And when we remember what the Lord has done, it, can, it drives our hearts to praise even decades later. If you're in a season where it feels hard to remember what God has done, you're having a hard time remembering those Ebenezer moments, phone a friend. You know, we spend a lot of time in our, in our MC reflecting on God's goodness and what he's done. We actually just did it on, on Wednesday. And every single time a group of us get together and reflect on God's faithfulness and what he's done in the past, every time without fail, somebody reminds me of something that I had completely forgotten about. When we're rooted in solid community, remembering God's faithfulness will drive us to, hope, to continue to be hopeful. Remembering what God has done in the past gives me hope for what I'm praying for today. Do you guys, do you guys have any interest in knowing what I'm praying for? Yeah? yeah? Okay, all right. It's a big deal. So I just, I need a break. I'm just kidding. My throat's just dry. Um, all right, brace yourselves. I've been praying for a year for teenagers, or I'm, I'm sorry, high schoolers specifically, to, to be here with us. And I know that's, that's a big, crazy prayer because they're a lot like toddlers. <laughs> but I, I really feel, I sense that we all have a lot to learn from them from rallying around people in that life stage. I know God could send 10 teens through the door right now or next week. Well, we won't be here, but next week. Um, he hasn't done it yet. And it doesn't mean it's not near and dear to his heart. And as we talked about, I'm gonna to continue to faithfully pray for teens, high schoolers to show up because I know we have a good father he hears our cries. And I'm going to stay steadfast. I'm going to hold fast to that because the Lord, the Holy Spirit, pressed it on my heart a year ago. And I'm going to stay hopeful that he hears, he hears our cries, he hears our prayers, and that there is a day where we'll have high schoolers here. And it might take a while. 
It could be years. It could look like the kids in this room right now growing up and being high schoolers. But we know. <laughs> Yay. Um, no. <laughs> in the meantime, when I'm tempted to believe that God doesn't hear me because we don't have high schoolers here, or I'm, a, I'm tempted to abandon my call to petition the Lord in this way, I have no doubt God is shaping me and preparing our church while we wait. Hold fast to the promises of God. Stay hopeful that he'll come through for you. His silence doesn't mean that he's far away or unreachable. It's often in the waiting and in the silence that you're being transformed. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Sometimes when we don't hear God, we want to pull out. But when we stay in it, God moves. And after months of continuing in this passage, I've actually seen him move and shape me and shape what I've shared with you tonight. And so it, it wasn't a large audible voice or a perfect sermon outline, but it was little nudges from the Holy Spirit. And by choosing to remain faithful, steadfast, and hopeful, we invite the Lord to shape us through the silence. If the Lord's pressing something on your heart, keep bringing it to him in prayer. Kind of like uh, the image of the rock climber last week um, who clips in along the way. Every time you enter into prayer, you're, you're clipping in, you're anchoring yourself into the rock that is Christ. And when we align ourselves with Christ through prayer, we're reoriented in our identity as his children. Some questions to think about as you go into the week. <clears throat> Are you remaining faithful? Do you have faith in the completed work of Christ, that God is who he says he is? And even when things are going bad and when it doesn't seem like things are going to work out and they don't work out, are you faithful? Don't abandon your belief in God when things get hard or don't feel good anymore. Remember that silence is a part of your growth. It's not God's withdrawal from you. Remain in the word and prayer remain faithful. Do you sense the Spirit telling you to reorient your life in His story rather than the story of the world? Continue in steadfastness to the call that God has placed on your life. When people decide to follow Jesus, they often think that life from then on out is going to be smooth sailing. But the seasoned believers in this room can tell you that is not the case. And when God seems far away and things get hard and don't go the way you want, I encourage you, friends, to stay steadfast. Don't get tangled up in the story of the world. Don't swerve away from what the Lord has for you. Don't abandon your beliefs because life with Jesus and in community gets hard or isn't yielding the results that you want. How has God come through for you in the past? Are you sowing seeds of remembrance and hope are you remaining hopeful that he'll carry you through to the future? I pray that conviction accompanies encouragement for you tonight. That through Holy Spirit conviction, you're able to see your shortcomings more clearly. Turn from them and embrace the good news of God. Remain in the Lord.
keep crying out to him in prayer, even if you're in, even especially if you're in a season of silence. He's a good father that loves you. And remember, the day of praise is coming. We know how the story ends.